You're listening to media from University Lutheran Church and Student Center in Tallahassee, Florida. We are a Jesus-centered community of Scripture, Faith, and Grace located on the campus of Florida State University. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, the Holy Three in One who comes to bring us the sound of our salvation. Dear brothers and sisters in Christ, what does an angel sound like? What do you think? What do you think an angel sounds like? For some of us, you know, it's kind of a different sound, depending on, you know, how you you think about what angels are and who angels are and and, and all of that. You know, sometimes we we get this sense that angels have these sort of loud, booming voices, that they're there as, as the guards in God's throne room, and they're there to speak messages to people. And, and so maybe they have these loud, booming voices that that get their message across. Although sometimes, usually, I think, when, when we talk about the sound of angels, we, we think about sort of, you know, that harp sounds. We, we think about sort of the, these wispy, tinkly things that, uh, you know, that, that's what an angel sounds like. And we, we have plenty of cultural examples of, of what angels sound like. So, you know, sometimes our cultural examples of what an angel sounds like is, well, they're, they're sort of a, well, kind of a bumbling sort of person who's just kind of there. They're not quite God. So if you think about Clarence from It's a Wonderful Life, and he's not quite an angel yet, but you kind of get that sense. You, there's that angel who's out there in our popular imagination of what it means to be an angel. But there's also sort of, you know, the kind and, and, you know, very, very moral, very friendly angel, you know, Monica from Touched by an Angel, if you're, you know, if you remember that show from back in the 90s of, you know, just sort of this angel who's, yeah, very nice to everyone. And, and that's, you know, that's who they are. And, and, and they just kind of help people along their way. And, and you've got that idea of what an angel sounds like and what an angel looks like. And then you start looking at the Bible, and, and maybe you start getting a different picture of what an angel looks like, what an angel sounds like even. And that's the case for us today as we look into Isaiah 6, as we look into those angels, which are called seraphim in, in our text. And the seraphim are a particular kind of angel. They're burning angels. They're, that, that means that they're angels that are filled with fire. Maybe they even are fire. And maybe they're glowing. And, and we get that sense and we go, oh, well, that's kind of a different angel. And so we, we've got Isaiah who is having the, this, this vision of, of God. And, and the first thing that he sees are, is, is God's glory filling up the room. And then he sees these angels. And then he hears the angels. And he hears the angels. And they're calling back and forth to one another. And, and they're calling back to, and forth to one another. And they're, they're saying, holy, holy holy. The Lord of hosts is filled with glory. Just sort of like we just sang, except you can get an imagine, you can kind of imagine how maybe it sounded a little bit different because, I mean, this is coming from burning angels. Burning angels who have 
with six wings, three sets of wings. And so, you know, they, they've got two sets of wings and they're covering up their face, which is likely because they don't want to see God because they don't feel like they feel like they're worthy enough to see God and they're covering up their face. And then with their other wings, they're covering up their feet and we could get all into that, but they're covering up their feet and with the other one, they're flying around and they're calling to one another and you've got this sense of, wow, these angels must have sounded, well, just a little bit terrifying. And then you get into, well, what are they saying to one another? How are they, you know, how's this call and response going? How are they calling to one another? And they're calling to one another. And the first thing that they're saying is they're saying, holy, holy, holy. And we go, yeah, I know that song. And because it's Holy Trinity Sunday, we kind of think, oh, well, that is because there's three in one, and we'll talk about that. We'll do the Athanasian Creed today because it's Trinity Sunday, but that's not really what they're talking about. What they're talking about is that God is superlative. That's how you do superlative in, in Hebrew. So, so there, there's no good, better, best. There's good, good, good. Holy, holy, holy. So this God isn't just holy. This God is holy, holy. In fact, he's not even just holy, holy. He's holy, holy, holy. He's the Lord God Almighty, and he is the Lord of hosts. Which that one is also confusing to us, because to us, the host is the person who seats us when we go to the restaurant. Or maybe the host is the person who is, yeah, they're inviting us over to their house for one of those charcuterie boards and a glass of wine. And that's not the host that we're talking about here, though. We're talking about the host that we're talking about here is, is the host of the heavenly armies. We're, we're talking about angels with flaming swords we're talking about jedi angels with lightsabers we're talking about the most frightening bunch of angels that you have ever seen that this god is commanding and so not only is he holy 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 but he is the lord of this mighty army and on top of that the earth is filled with his glory. That sense of glory is, is, is really sort of a, a sense of heaviness. It's a sense of weight. It's a sense that, that this God is present throughout all of the earth and his weight is leaning down on the earth. And that's what these angels are saying to one another, these fiery angels with their six wings shouting to one another in these angelic voices that maybe sound like harps. And maybe not. And you get the sense of, of how big this God is from these angels and from Isaiah as Isaiah tells you that the train of this God's garment, it's filling up the temple. Now the temple was the, the biggest absolutely the biggest building, the biggest space that you would have had anywhere in Jerusalem. 
It was the biggest thing. And so for us here in Tallahassee, it's Doak Campbell Stadium. I mean, that thing is a temple in its own right anyway. But that's the biggest thing that we know of. God's train is filling that up. Not, not God, but, but the train from God's cloak. Yeah, the, the, little, like, uh, the, the, the little thread that is hanging off of God's jeans is filling up Doak Campbell Stadium. He's a big God. He's a holy God. He's the God of hosts. And to that, we know that this is an impressive moment for Isaiah because Isaiah says, Woe is me. I am a man of unclean lips. And I live amongst a people of unclean lips. That woe is me moment of, I'm not ready for this. I'm, I'm not cut out for this. I've gotten myself in too deep. And as many things in this reading are completely incomprehensible to us, that moment that moment is comprehensible to us. That moment of the woe is me is comprehensible to us. That moment is the moment that we can understand. That moment is the moment that we can grab hold of. That moment is the moment that we go, yeah, I've had that moment. I've had that woe is me moment. For me, that woe is me moment is when I'm, I'm standing in front of a church with this redhead girl and she says, I do. And all of a sudden, I go, woe is me. Not because it's a bad thing, but because it's such an important thing. Because it's such a thing that I feel so outclassed by. Woe is me. That moment where I'm kneeling at, at this very altar and somebody puts one of these around my neck and says... You're a pastor now. Woe is me. That moment where they put one of my little girls into my arms mm -hmm. just after they've been born. Mm -hmm. And I realize how much that is a woe is me moment. I am not cut out for this. I can't do this on my own. I need some help. And for you, you know what those woe is me moments are for you. The woe is me moment of when you took your career, that woe is me moment of when you got into that relationship, that woe is me moment of when you started taking that class or, or you got into uh, that program. That woe is me moment of, oh man, I thought that I was ready for this, but I'm not. And to that woe is me moment for Isaiah, there's something specific that happens. And, and it's, it's this beautiful picture that happens to Isaiah where one of those fiery angels, one of those seraphim who have been calling out to one another, well, well they swoop down to the altar and they grab a coal, a piece of coal with tongs. Now, 
listen to me. This is a fiery angel. That is one hot piece of coal. If a fiery angel needs to be like, I need some tongs. And so the angel takes the tongs and he takes the coal and he brings it to Isaiah's mouth. (gasps) Woe is me. And he puts it to his lips. And he says, your guilt is taken away. Your sin is atoned for. That moment that woe is me disappears. That moment is what Trinity Sunday is all about. Because on Trinity Sunday, we recognize that we are worshiping a God who is holy, holy, holy. We recognize that we are worshiping a God who is the Lord of hosts. We recognize that we are worshiping a God who fills up Doe Campbell Stadium and more. And yet he comes to us with something that would cause us to recoil normally. Just like Isaiah probably recoiled from that hot coal, normally we are meant to recoil from the image of the cross that Jesus was crucified on. That image that to us seems like a woe is me moment. That image to us that seems like this moment where all of the sun, all of our uncleanliness, all of our guilt comes to bear, all of that comes to bear in that image of the cross, that cross that might as well be so burning hot to us that fiery angels have to use tongs in order to bring it to us. That powerful moment of the cross that comes to our mouth and sears our lips and tells us that now our guilt is taken away and our sin is atoned for. That because of that cross, we can stand in the presence of this holy, holy, holy God. That we can stand in the presence of the Lord of hosts. That we can stand in the presence of this God whose glory fills the earth. That we can stand in the presence of this God who has come to us with a fiery, hot cross. And has made us his own. And has taken away our guilt. And has atoned for our sin. So this week may you recognize. That you worship a God who is not just an ordinary God. You worship a God who is attended to by fiery angels. Who call out holy, holy, holy. But may you recognize also. That that God has sent his angel, his message, his gospel to your lips so that you may know that your guilt is taken away and that your sin is atoned for. Amen.